we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. It's interesting to me that uh, every year at this time, a series of hurricanes comes across the Atlantic into the Caribbean, and uh, goodness knows how they track, but it's really uh, where people are rolling the dice with their lives, literally. I mean, we've had 20 people die uh, to this point, and they say the number could go higher. It's almost inevitable it will. And uh, now as a Cat 3 hurricane, it's buffeting the east coast of the United States. The mid-Atlantic states are bracing, uh, certainly places like uh, South Carolina, the lowlands there, the low country, uh, going to be inundated. They're talking about 8 to 12 feet surges, and uh, it could get rather tricky, but the real damage was seen when the Cat 5 blew over the Bahamas and uh, Abaco Island, as well as, uh, I guess, Freeport is the main uh City there, uh, Grand Bahama Island, 70,000 people uh, displaced, 20, as I say, latest count, including a Canadian woman from a Windsor Way, uh, LaSalle, actually having lost her life uh, as well. So let's get an update on this story right now. It's horrific just having seen uh, video footage. It's, man, uh, you can't even believe that there were homes or any kind of, uh, I don't know, a human presence there. It just looks like it's tinder or kindling. Mike Drolet is a global television reporter who's on the scene and has joined the Oakley Show this afternoon. Mike, you've made your way to the Bahamas, I understand. Uh, what was your first impression when you saw what was happening? Well, we flew into Nassau, which was barely touched. It had a lot of rain. It's got a lot of water damage and flooding. But apart from that, it, it, it sort of escaped uh, the, the brunt of Dorian. And uh, the major, because I mean, what people understand is, is the Bahamas is a series of many islands. And the two islands in the north that were hit, Abaco Island and the Grand Bahamas, they were the ones that were hit the hardest, and they were absolutely completely decimated. Uh, one of the big things that we saw when we, when we flew in, because we flew in over those islands, you could see neighborhoods that had, uh, you know, the entire sort of skeleton of a neighborhood with all the roads, except there was nothing out there. All the, all the houses were gone. So when we're trying to get in there right now, and uh, we're expecting to see... I mean, what we saw from the air, uh, if you see that much closer, it's just going to be that much more shocking, I'm sure. Is the difficulty in getting in have to do with the fact there's uh, not a lot of spots that would accommodate you? As I understand it, airstrips have been wiped out, uh, access points and that kind of thing? Well, we were just at the uh, National Crisis Center where they're frantically trying to put together a plan to get water and food and medicine to the people that are there. And the U.N. says there's roughly 70,000 people who either lost their homes or 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 are in distress and in need of immediate help. So many of those people then also have to be evacuated. So there's a a double-pronged thing. And the thing is here, 
they've never dealt with anything like this on this scale. They said, you know, we've evacuated a few hundred people before. We haven't evacuated tens of thousands. We don't even know how to do that. So they're trying to figure that out. Um, you're right. Some of the, uh, a lot of the uh, airstrips were still damaged, and the ports were, were damaged as well. They have managed to open up a few of them, and they're hoping to be able to get uh, planes and, and ships in there uh, this afternoon and throughout tomorrow the next few days. What they are trying really hard to do is not double up on aid, really send. I think I might have lost him. Uh, we'll try to reconnect with Mike Grole, global television reporter who's on the scene now in the Bahamas, as he said, a series of islands and the ones that were really impacted most severely, Abaco Island and Grand Bahama Island. All right, uh, we'll get Mike in here in just a second. The idea, though, that these islands uh, are even vaguely resembling the same configuration as we've seen through satellite imagery before the storm, uh, it's all changed. I mean, as I understand it, uh, part of Grand Bahama Island, about a third is still underwater. And so uh, if this, you know, deters the uh, rescue efforts or uh, how they're going to actually, you know, address any of the immediate concerns, uh, much of this, as I say, has to do with uh, receding water. Mike Drolet is back with us, global television reporter in the Bahamas. Mike, I was just saying while you were uh, being reconnected that still much of the island, if I understand it, both Abaco and Grand Bahama are still underwater. Yeah, a lot of it is. I mean, there, there was people... The, uh, the Dorian, when it came over uh, Abaco and Grand Bahamas, it oddly enough stopped. I mean, these things go by so quickly normally, and it, it had the winds were 298 kilometers per hour, which is a record tying wind landfall record. Uh, and but then this, this hurricane just came over those islands and it stopped and it started dumping uh, rain and wind and it just just started destroying things. People, one person I, I spoke to described it as something somebody made up, and then it became reality. Hmm. Just didn't seem like it could possibly be real. So, yes, a lot of the island is still underwater. Um, the airports, not all of them are open. The ports, not all of them are open. And uh, they've also, uh, I'm not sure if I got cut off when I said this before, but they've never had to deal with an evacuation this large. Uh, not everybody's going to want to be evacuated. Um, they're going to want to take... And what's not a rebuild, it's basically starting over again. Uh, but they've said that they've evacuated hundreds of people in the past. They've never had to deal with tens of thousands. And trying to organize that is going to be something to behold. Mike, my understanding as well, some areas particularly hard hit, like Mudtown, the area in Marsh Harbor there, uh, which is effectively a shanty town housing many uh Haitian expats, because these flimsy uh, domiciles or dwellings, I mean, you know, they're just basically uh, like paper mache taken away in the wind. I mean, how severely have these people, I guess I know how severely they've been impacted, but what can possibly be done? Uh, what is being done to address that situation? They got nothing to go back to. Well, they didn't have much to begin with. And we see that every time we go to one of these disaster zones. I remember being in Haiti after the, the quake in 2010. And just seeing, I mean, the, the construction is so poor that it doesn't take much to knock down these, these structures. And what they end up doing is they, they don't wait for the rebuild because the rebuild isn't going to happen there. It just, the, re, the reality and the harsh reality of world economics is that usually doesn't happen. And uh, they end up sort of building on the outside of the destroyed areas that they they used to live in, if that's sounds it makes any sense it's very it's a very odd sort of situation um what we have heard is that there is some some pillaging pillaging and looting 
going on on those islands and around there. And a lot of those uh, those Haitians that were in the in that uh, mud town have actually moved on to some of the places that actually are still standing, and they've kind of taken up residence there. And that has led to bigger problems, uh, bigger domestic problems here within the Bahamas. Yeah, tell us about some of the immediate problems or concerns. I'm guessing food and water, uh, shelter, those are the big three. Uh, how difficult are they to come by? Is assistance, you know, hard to get to these uh, some of these places? They're unreachable because, again, it's either underwater or uh, for whatever reason? Yeah, well, I mean, the few air, airstrips that are they're open, you think, okay, well, you can just have airplane after airplane flying in and dropping stuff off. Well, it's not that easy because they're not huge airstrips. So they have to make sure that the right planes get in with, the, you know, to pick up the right number of people. You know, I spoke to a pilot, a Delta pilot, who was taking a couple of days off to be able to come and help. And he's been waiting around for 24 hours to get permission to fly his plane in. He's got a five-seater to be able to fly his plane in and pick up evacuees and bring him back. And he says he figures he could take maybe 30, 40 in a day back and forth because it's about a half-hour flight each way from Nassau to uh, out to there, to Abaco Island. So is that the staging area then? Nassau sort of become the de facto uh, headquarters or ground central for all of the coordination of relief efforts? Well, it's the biggest city uh, within the Bahamas, and it's also, uh, you know, and it's also very central. So it makes sense that it is. There are, from what I had understood, three major centers that uh, are gathering supplies and are sort of staging areas. And now they just have to figure out how to get the boats out. They have to figure out how to get the planes in and out. Um, they're opening up airstrips every day, they say. And, uh, you know, uh, just within the last hour, they opened up um, a, a new port. And part of the problem is, well, getting ships in. And you think, okay, why don't you just get a big container ship to go in? Well, there's a lot of debris in the water. These ships can't get in safely. So that's another issue that they have. But in terms of what they have to get there, food, water, medicine, that's number one. Uh, getting in uh, building supplies because, um, you know, as you, as you know, I mean, these are islands here with uh, limited resources. Anything they use to build, for the most part, has to be imported. And that's going to be ships, and it always takes time. And it always has to go through red tape and bureaucracy. Uh, and, you know, we've seen that here already. Uh, we've heard that uh, a lot of these planes flying in have had any sort of fees waived. Well, we've also seen at the airport today and in customs when we were stuck there for a few hours that they weren't waiving fees for, for other things. And uh, we're actually kind of doing a bit of a cash grab because it's an opportunity to actually make some money. So we saw a lot of that after Haiti. Let's hope that that doesn't get any worse here in the Bahamas. You're talking about people exploiting the misfortune and misery of others. I mean, they're using this as leverage. That's what's going on right now. Oh, it happens everywhere. Every time we go to any one of these these natural disasters, and this one is really bad, we see that. People take advantage. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it's happening a little bit here um, that we've seen so far. We haven't been here long enough to really fully investigate that. But uh, it's certainly, I mean, if it, if it follows the path that we've seen in previous disasters, I fully expect that to happen in a large, on a larger scale here. I don't see how it would be any different. Humans are humans, after all. So who is uh, coordinating the relief effort? Is it through the International Red Cross or others? Well, that's unclear. That's actually unclear, because the Red Cross is here, but they also have uh, NEMO, which is the National Emergency Management Association, and they seem to be the ones that are sort of in charge of everything and telling everybody what to do 
but then they don't really have control over the NGOs and how they operate. But then again, they also control the airports and the ports. So you see how it kind of goes around in circles here and there. Uh, and we were there today at their at their center, and uh, they let us into their command center, and it's uh, like 50 frantic people on cell phones, on and off cell phones, and trying to come up with a plan to be able to make this this immense operation happen. Yeah, I'm guessing, you know, communications obviously have to be severely impacted. Uh, no hydro, I guess there's no Wi-Fi either. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, in Nassau, there is. Right. Uh, as, you know, it's not great here, but uh, they, there is, uh, I'm talking on my cell phone right now, but over there, I can only imagine it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, we do know that there's a lot of people who are just hanging out at some of the airstrips because they have nowhere else to go. And they're hanging there and just waiting for a plane to come and pick them up and bring them to some sort of semblance of safety. Yeah. And nighttime, everything is dark, again, because there's no hydro. No electricity. Yeah, no electricity. It's uh, mindful or similar to the situation, I guess, in Puerto Rico with the hurricane from two years back. Mike? Uh, yeah, well, it is. And uh, that was interesting how they tried, you know, they rebuilt that and they, and they had to really mobilize. Uh, you know, huge armies to be able to get things done. And, uh, you know, the Bahamas is, you know, it's really funded a lot by tourism. So there is money here. So they should be able to get their act together and to, to organize this properly. Well, that's what they say. 50% of the economy is based on tourism, uh, if not more. I would have thought more even. And uh, hopefully the people will you know, uh, want to go back uh, if there's something to go back to. Uh, but as you say, NASA not hit. Uh, I guess Atlantis and everything, all those places around there, the resorts are intact. But uh, it's the immediate need in Abaco Island and Grand Baham- Bahama Island, and Freeport is the city uh, of consequence right in that midst. Mike, great reporting. I appreciate your weighing in, and uh, I guess we'll touch base again at some point. We look forward to your reports on TV. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You got it, Mike. Drolle again is a global television reporter on the scene in the Bahamas. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.